We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. I appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate you being here. Have a seat. Take a front row seat. Kick your shoes off. Get comfortable. As Doc would say, grab a uh, burrito de carne asada. This episode, as always, is brought to you by Prize Picks. Daily fantasy sports made very, very, very easy. Very fun, very easy, very intuitive, very simple to get a grasp on. Very easy to navigate through. I think a lot of people ignore the whole uh, sports, um, you know, the sports wagering scene because it's just kind of overwhelming. You don't quite know how the odds work. You don't know who to go through to do it. And all that's kind of faded away over time. And PrizePix has done an amazing job of presenting you a, a a forum in which to make these entries, and it'd be very easy. I mean, it's more or less. You want receiving yards, you want rushing yards, you want sacks, you want tackles, you want catches, more or less, and you press enter, and that's it. Um, two to six players, prizepicks.com slash gold. And then when you get to the promo code section, type in the word gold, and they will match any first deposit up to $100. So again, that's prizepicks.com slash gold. There's only a couple football games left in the year. You might as well get on it now. Just throw a little bit their way. They'll match it and have some fun to close out the season. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash gold. Today, we're going to talk very briefly, very briefly. This, this, And I can guarantee you this pod will actually be short when I say it's going to be short. Most of the time when I say that, you know, I've got a short pod lined up, should be a brief pod, should be a shorter pod. It's just, I, I look up, it's like 45, 50 minutes, and I'm like, yeah, okay. Okay, Rob. Um, but I just wanted to jump on here again. I just recorded an episode last night that's already on the feed, you know, reacting to the 49ers 24-21 win over the Green, Bo- Green Bay Packers to move on to the NFC Championship. Well, now the stage is set. The entire stage is set. Um, Tampa, or excuse me, the Detroit Lions beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 
31 to 23 um, in what was a very, I thought it was a great game, entertaining game. It took a little while to kind of get rolling. It seemed like it was mostly a second half affair, but um, it was a pretty interesting game. There was a lot to take away from it in terms of what the 49ers are going to have to deal with when it, uh, um, when it comes to the Lions. And on the other side of the fence, uh, the fence being what separates the NFC and the AFC, uh, the Chiefs got it done against the Bills. And they are headed to Baltimore to face the Ravens uh, in the AFC Championship next week. So you've got the Lions versus the 49ers at Levi's Stadium. And you've got the Chiefs uh, heading over to Baltimore to face the Ravens. Now, this is... I don't really have <laughs> like statistical data to back this up. I'm sure statistically Josh Allen probably had a worse season than Patrick Mahomes. Although I know Patrick Mahomes didn't have a great season by his standards, which tend seem like they have grown a little ridiculous. Like for what we expect Patrick Mahomes to do, the dude can be playing like an eight out of 10 game and people still have, complaints about what he he is or isn't doing. I mean, the guy's just a phenomenal talent. Um, And I understand that the Chiefs just beat the Bills, 27-24. The game had a chance to go into overtime, likely overtime, uh, but the Bills kicker missed the kick. I don't remember how long it was. I can get in here and look, I guess. Um, missed field goal from the 26. So, you know, you know, that makes it what, like a 40 yarder, 40 ish yarder. I guess I could check the playlist. So, uh, missed the kick that would have sent it to, yeah, 44 yard field goal was no good. Um, that would have sent it into likely overtime. There was still a minute and 43 seconds left on the clock at the time. So it's not like the chiefs wouldn't have had a chance to, march right down the field and kick a field goal of their own, which seems like exactly what something Pat Mahomes would do. So like I was saying, I understand the Chiefs just beat the Bills in Buffalo. But for me, I still feel like even after watching that game, and even though they lost, I feel like the the Bills were still the more dangerous team. And I, again, that just sounds ridiculous because the Chiefs just went into their house and beat him. But there's just something about Josh Allen and something about the Bills and something about they. Now, they also seem like almost every game they have some sort of quarterback blunder, coaching blunder, stupid decision, stupid like, you know, like uh, the Chiefs fumbling the ball into the end zone. Now, that wasn't the Bills, but I feel like the Bills do stuff like that almost every game. And maybe that's what what kept them from truly blossoming to the team they should have been. But again, I'm, I'm rambling now. I felt like the Bills were the more dangerous team. I, in terms of a 49ers point of view, think it's a good thing that the Bills were eliminated. I just, I, and maybe I'm hearkening back to the 34-24 the ass whooping from 2020 where Josh Allen just basically did whatever the hell he wanted to do against the 49ers and and you know that very next draft is when the 49ers took Trey Lance and I understand that didn't work out but I always said on this pond that I felt like that ass whooping from Buffalo was and watching Josh Allen do those things in person was what finally got Kyle Shanahan to say okay we have to attempt to get one of those and if we swing and miss we swing and miss but I feel like the uh, Kyle Shanahan felt like the league was going to pass him by if he at least doesn't give it a shot. 
And uh, it's funny because he still didn't really get one of those in, in Brock Purdy, but Brock Purdy has a whole different skill set that makes him uh, makes him special. So I, I think Josh Allen is is just at, in at this stage in his career, at least on that team, just a little bit more terrifying than than Mahomes is, especially when you consider the lack of weapons that the Chiefs are dealing with right now. But they're still winning games. Um, but now the Bills are out, and the Chiefs are moving on to face the uh, the Ravens. And I kind of always assumed that whoever made it out of this game was going to get their ass kicked by the Ravens, anyways. But uh, that's not always the case. It's just not always how the playoff works. So, moving on to 49ers stuff and kind of how this is, you know this all relates to them. I think the initial question that should be on the forefront of anybody everybody's mind right now is: Will Debo Samuel be okay, and will he be able to play? Um, on Sunday against the, and the 49ers have the later time slot. I can't remember what time it starts. Uh, Adam Schefter tweeted it, but he's probably tweeted a million times since then. He tweeted exactly what time it was going to be. But let me see. I'm looking, I'm scrolling. I'm boop, 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 boop. I know he tweeted about it right after the, uh, the lions, uh, won, but Okay. The NFC Championship game next Sunday, Lions at 49ers, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time, so 3.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. And again, as of right now, the weather looks like it's going to be perfectly clear. Uh, nothing worse than overcast and with very, very, very little chance of rain. But I am going to head on over there again just because I love y'all and to make sure. Okay, this is Santa Clara's 10-day weather. Not that this shit is reliable by any metric. Okay, as of right now, the weather for next Sunday in Santa Clara. I'm even going to hit refresh because I'm just paranoid about what this the information being presented to me. It is supposed to be partly cloudy with a 16% chance of rain and a small northeast 5 mile per hour wind. Uh, interval of clouds and sunshine, high of 73, winds light and variable. A few clouds, low, winds light and variable. So very low chance of rain. It looks like it's going to be a perfectly good day for football in Santa Clara. And again, going back, um, is Debo Samuel going to be ready? They played on Saturday. They get an extra day under the usual schedule to kind of Adam Schefter uh, put out a tweet saying that Debo Samuel said it was funny the way Adam Schefter worded this. And, and a lot of people didn't quite catch on to what Adam Schefter was saying, but he said, I asked Debo, if, I asked if Debo Samuel had a chance to play in next Sunday's conference championship game. One sword source said, yes, I do. And people in the comments were like, well, do you mean, do you mean, so your source was Debo? Like, yeah, no shit. That's what he's telling you. Says one source said, yes, I do. So yeah, Adam Schefter top to Debo Samuel and Debo said he's got a chance to play. Now, the part that worries me about that whole situation is the fact that, I mean, the 49ers were in the divisional round of the playoffs and Debo Samuel could not come back in the game. Now, maybe that that week makes a massive difference. He gets some treatment. He gets some pain management. He, you know, he does whatever physical therapy he needs to do to be able to. And if there's very, there's a very good chance that this injury could come down to pain tolerance. A lot of times, you know, if there's no risk of further injury, it just comes down to how much he's willing to take. And it's not like Debo Samuel is a, a light. <laughs> uh, it's not like Debo Samuel avoids contact that so um i mean that's a big deal the one benefit the 49ers have is 
I mean, they'll have an idea right now whether or not Debo can play. And if he can play, they can game plan with him in the game. They'll probably be a little lighter on that. I had a feeling that Debo Samuel was a huge part of the game plan against Green Bay, but he was knocked out early. And that kind of threw things for a loop. In this case, Kyle Shanahan has to plan around the fact that Debo Samuel will be playing with an injury and could get knocked out of the game again. So there needs to be elements of the game plan that move beyond Debo. Um, And I'm not saying that the 49ers are in any way relying on Debo, but he's just such a massive player in these types of situations. If there's one player that the 49ers can truly lean on to just evolve in the postseason, it's, it's Debo for sure. Um, so I mean, to me, that's, that's everything for the 49ers this week. The entire rest of the team is healthy. Uh, everybody got out of that chance, that uh, divisional game without injury for the most part. And it's just whether or not Debo is going to be able to play. If you, I, I have no guess. I have no prediction. Uh, I just, there's just no indication either way. He told people within the organization that he was okay, but that doesn't mean much. Uh, it's also said that the injury is similar to what he's, he suffered earlier in the year and he missed the next two games. And then the 49ers had a bye week. Now that said, the 49ers probably felt like they had the luxury of resting Debo, even though they ended up losing those games anyways. Um, so we'll see. It's not like the 49ers have a whole lot of, uh, you know, it's, it's either you win or you go home. So if Debo needs any incentive to, to get out onto the football field, he'll have it. One of the things I was just kind of thinking about throughout the day, obviously we were treated to a pretty nauseating discourse of is Brock Purdy still good? Is he not good? Should he be praised for what he did in that game? Should he not? You know, why aren't we talking about the other players like Juwan Jennings or Christian McCaffrey or Dre Greenlaw? It's just typical 49ers social media. They just find really any way to just make everything suck. Like, you know, they, they just won the divisional playoff game in a thriller and, we have to find something to bitch about, and it's a little wild. But again, like I talked about in last night's pod, that game had a – the way it was unfolding and the way they were kind of imploding and the way everything seemed to be going wrong at one point, I felt like that game would have put the 49ers on the ropes as an organization. You know, it was you the team has so much talent and they've gone through so much throughout the season and they've finally hit the postseason with almost a completely clean build of health and to get knocked out in the first round you know that would really set this team back and they've they've proven under Kyle Shanahan to be very resilient they can handle losing they could bounce back they can come back better but losing in that fashion in a, in a way that's just an absolute disappointment to everybody in the building it just looked like for a moment that that the 49ers may be uh maybe may come out of this a little different and not for the better when it came to the possibility of losing to the packers but they did win they pulled it out and and that is a um something that should be praised in and of itself the the like we talked about that too the ability to get hit and keep moving moving forward as rocky would say um it's not about how hard you can get hit and the 49ers found a way to pull it off, and sometimes that's all you need. You know, and, and again, you, you have to think that this team, even now, today, watching these football games, thinking about the the way the game unfolded last night, they have to be a little jaded. 
you know, they, there may be a little bit of for complete lack of a better term. And, and as a veteran, trust me, I'm not downplaying anything, but there has to be a little bit of post-traumatic stress for the 49ers when it comes to that game, just based on the fact that, I mean, they dodged a bullet. You think about movies you've seen and yes, this is Hollywood, but like, you know, maybe, and soldiers have talked about this before is, you know, you're in the moment, in the middle of a, a firefight. You don't really think about the times where you almost died until you're done, until it's, you know, you're, you're, until it's, you're back on base and you're chilling on your cot. And then you think about the fact you're like, dude, that bullet was four inches from my head, man. Just, if I would have just looked to the right, I wouldn't be here anymore. And, and, the, and I am, I feel stupid for comparing football to war, but again, I don't know if uh, maybe I'll use my use use the fact that I was in the military as an excuse give myself a little bit of leeway here for being ridiculous but the 49ers are probably a lot of them the the guys in that locker room are sitting around thinking about the fact like man we almost lost that shit we almost let it slip away that has to be pretty terrifying for a team that knows their Super Bowl window and their clock is is ticking um if you watch Kyle Shanahan's brief post-game locker room speech it shows trent williams briefly and he has and again now i feel like i'm leaning way too heavy into it uh, he has what what we would call in the military or and you know, kind of something that came from world war one and world war two the po the, the thousand yard stare where someone is looking at you or they're looking in any direction but you can tell they're not there. They're not thinking about where they are or what they're looking at. They're thinking about back there, you know. And again, I've 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 gone way too far. I've jumped the shark in terms of comparing last night's football game to any experience you would face in the military. But Trent Williams legitimately looked like he was looking into a different dimension and thinking about the realities of if they wouldn't have won that game and how close that was, and just that one little clip of him, uh, just made me think like, man, this team is probably like, wow, we, we cannot do that again. And I'm not necessarily saying the whole 49ers organization did anything per se that they should be blamed for. But I think it's pretty clear that a lot of elements of this team were not firing on all cylinders against the Packers. Um, but I think a lot of people also think that because they were underrating the Packers coming as the seventh seed, the Packers, just carried with them a weird stigma for a while. Jordan Love, you know, is he good? Is he not? They started out losing so many games uh, and people not realizing that the Packers had been hot. Jordan Love had been hot. They were riding a ton of, uh, you know, degaff momentum coming into Levi's Stadium and they gave the 49ers everything they can handle. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, but it was close. It was close. Came down to that last drive and Brock Purdy keeping his, his head screwed on tight and leading the 49ers down the field. Uh, the one thing that, and, and I had it typed into Twitter, but I actually never ended up sending it because it just didn't want to open myself up to the conversation. One of the things I, I wrote on Twitter was, yeah, Brock Purdy struggled. He missed some easy throws. He nearly threw a couple picks, one of which would have been for a pick six, but he also made a handful of clutch plays, some insane throws. He led a game-winning drive that was a George Kittle drop from being perfect. He should have been 7 of 7. And all of this is still the the part that's so often just left off the table is all of this is taking place in his second year in the NFL, in his first year as the guy, the starter. And he's now in his second NFC Championship game in as many years as he's been in the NFL. People talk about Brock Purdy as if he's been a starter for five to 10 years. But the dude is on his first year as the guy. Yeah, he had plenty of starting action yesterday, or yesterday, last year, when he stepped in after two other quarterback injuries. But this is his first year as the guy, and I think we should probably keep that information a little bit more at the forefront when we talk about things. You know, it's just... The dude is still getting his feet under him in the NFL and still has a lot of room for growth. And he's winning playoff games. Brock Purdy's three and one in the playoffs. He's in his second year in the NFL and his first year as a starter, and he's three and one in the playoffs. What are we, why are we bitching about this guy? Like, no, he wasn't great. I don't even know if you'd call, he wasn't even good. He was okay. If you wanted to call him bad, I would still be okay with it. But he found a way to get it done, and he still sprinkled in the throws that make him Brock Purdy. And it's, uh, I think people kind of just lose sight of kind of the wonder of what's still happening with his story and the fact that it, you know, if he, the 49ers and, and Brock Purdy somehow managed to win the Super Bowl, that it will probably be a movie. You know, it's just the way it is just the way it is so yeah the Brock discourse it it just hasn't been fun to watch I think that he's I think that he's getting rightly criticized for the game he had because it wasn't great but at the same time I don't think he's getting enough praise for some of his just absolutely fearless throws there were at least three or four throws where pressure was in his face he knew he was going to get hit and he still put the ball where he needed to put it. 
And, and not to mention that some of those were into double coverage in fit, not even, not necessarily, I mean, into triple coverage, fitting into a crazy window. Look at the throw he made to Brandon Ayuk on third down, and Brandon Ayuk made an equally good catch. But just he put it on his numbers. Like the, if Brandon Ayuk would not have touched the ball with his hands, it would have hit his numbers. If Brandon Ayuk had a Velcro chest plate and the, the football was like one of those cool ones you used to play with as a kid that would stick to stuff, it would have stuck and he, it would have been there. You know, it was it was one of those throws. It was essentially a handoff. So, and I mean, you can spend as much time as you want. If, if you're looking for someone else to praise, then praise Dre Greenlaw for two interceptions, one of which was diving in a downpour. Because towards the end of that drive, the 49ers, at the end of that game, the 49ers got a little lucky with Jordan Love uh, on their game, the, the drive they needed, their last drive. Uh, it started raining really, really hard, which obviously makes things suck just a little bit. Um, you know, praise Christian McCaffrey for making the most of what probably should have been five to shit. Even you can even sell me on 10 more carries than what he got. Uh, he still scored twice and he still, <laughs> in a way, put the team on his back and, and scored the, uh, or I think the, were those the only two touchdowns of the night? No, George Kittles. And that was, man, that was a flick from Brock Purdy. Jesus. So now they face the uh, the Lions at Levi's Stadium for the NFC Championship and the right to go to the Super Bowl down the street in Las Vegas. The 49ers opened uh, the odds as about a seven-point favorite, which seems a little high for me. So if you are a – and I'm – as you can tell from my success on prize picks, I'm no betting aficionado, but that seems a little high. That seems a little high. Uh, if you – if I were – if you were to ever take my mediocre advice as, as sports gambling, I would bet, what do you call that, betting the, the under? In the fact that I think the game will be closer than seven points. You know, I remember like the one time I bet was in the Super Bowl when the Broncos played the Panthers. That was like the only time I've ever bet on sports. And I bet the over... No, I mean, I, I bet the Broncos would win by more than they were being favored. And I bet the Broncos outright. And I took like $20 and turned it into like 250 I parlayed them together. And that was the only time I ever bet. That was it. I was like, hey, I'm good. So anyways, 49ers are favored by seven. And the Bears are a, are a hell of a matchup for the 49ers. This is a hell of a matchup, period. Everything we've got at this stage of the game is just awesome. Uh, Lions, 49ers. It's impossible not to like Dan Campbell, in my opinion. You can think whatever you want about Jared Goff. And that, you know, I know Debo Samuel and Gardner Johnson have something going on and whatever. But uh, to me, the Lions are a likable team. It's been a likable story. I've loved watching them play football. I've loved watching them win games. Um, But the Lions are very much capable of going toe-to-toe with the 49ers. Offensively? The Lions are about a mirror image of the 49ers in every statistical category. You're talking points per game, um, passing yards per game, rushing yards per game, points scored. The 49ers and the Lions are like right next to each other. You can pick and choose which one you want to be above. I mean, I can go through it right here. Points per game, 49ers third, Detroit Lions fifth. Total yards per game, 
49ers second, Detroit Lions third. Uh, pass yards per game. Uh, Lions fourth, 49ers sixth. Rush yards per game. 49ers third, Lions fifth. Like these two offenses, this is a heavyweight fight, and these two are going to exchange blows back and forth, back and forth. And we are going to talk about this matchup in a lot more detail later on the week. Um, the one aspect where the 49ers have a significant advantage is in passing yards allowed per game. Defensively, Green Bay is absolutely outstanding against the run. Second in the NFL in terms of rushing yards allowed per game, the 49ers are third. 88.8 versus 89.7. But when you look at passing yards allowed per game. Now, th- this is this may be skewed a little bit because common sense would tell you that if a team is unable to run the ball against you, then they have to pass the ball against you. And unless you just have an all-world rush defense and an all-world pass defense, like, I don't know, the Legion of Boom or something, then, of course, your numbers against the pass are going to not be as great because your numbers against the run are tremendous. At least that just seems like a, a good deduction for me. The 49ers rank 14th in the NFL in passing defensive passing yards allowed per game. The Lions are all the way down in 27th. So if there is a way that the 49ers are going to beat the Lions, it's going it's likely going to be on the back of one Brock Purdy and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey and maybe Debo Samuel. Now, if you look at the Buccaneers and Lions game, the Bucs actually had great success against the Lions on the ground, but they only had 15 carries. But in those 15 carries, they averaged 5.9 yards per carry. So maybe if they would have committed a little bit more to the run, if you're having that kind of sense success, you should commit more to it. Um, but instead, they elected to, to, to let Baker Mayfield throw the ball 41 times. Um, and he had three touchdowns and two interceptions. Jared Goff against the Bucks. He threw the ball 43 times, which is a lot, but completed 70% of them for two touchdowns, no interceptions, a 103 rating. They also ran the ball a lot, 26 times for 114, 4.4 yards of carry. The Lions are a good team, and they've got a lot of talent. Uh, I mean, on, on the offensive side of the ball, you've got Tons of weapons. Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, Jared Goff, if you want to call him a weapon. Um, J- uh, Reynolds has been been all right. Josh Reynolds, he had a big game uh, against the Rams. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Jameer Gibbs. He was somebody that if the 49ers would have had a first-round pick this last year, I mean, and, but Gibbs went way too early for the 49ers to be in the equation. Even with Christian McCaffrey, I would have been down with the 49ers taking Gibbs because then they would have had the most ridiculous two-headed backfield in the NFL. And I understand that Christian McCaffrey is is the man. He's the best running back in the NFL, and he was the best running back in the NFL this year by a long shot. But uh, Jameer Gibbs has a very similar skill set, and uh, it would have been cool uh, to see those both of those guys in the backfield. I think Kyle Shanahan could have gotten even crazier than he got in Atlanta when he had um, Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman. So I'm a big fan of Jameer Gibbs. Uh, He had a big game, four catches, 40 yards, and then had uh, nine carries for 74 yards and a touchdown averaged 8.2 yards a carry. So they are no slouch on offense. Like I said, statistically, they mirror the 49ers almost identically. Um, 
Baker Mayfield still threw for 350 yards in the air and threw for three touchdowns. So the Lions can be thrown on. Um, it seems like that's if you're going to have success against them, it has to at least start with that. And maybe it's almost can be in reverse. You can use the the success in the passing game to kind of open up rushing uh, rushing options because um, the 49ers, as we know, are going to need to run the ball. But uh, we will break down this matchup in a, in a lot more detail later on in the week. I'll probably have KP back on here again. Uh, and Jared Goff returns home to uh, to to Los Angeles. I mean, to to not not Los Angeles, but um, to the Bay Area once again. I mean, he was a Cal guy, and uh, his tenure in Los Angeles super up and down, super weird. Ended up trading him to the Lions in exchange for um, Matt Stafford, and I think the Lions, or I think both teams, kind of won that trade. You know. The, the the amount of draft capital that the Lions got for Matt Stafford really opened them up, and they've done very, very good drafting with, with that draft capital. And then, obviously, Stafford went to the Rams, and they won a freaking Super Bowl. And w- what impressed me about that Super Bowl win was the fact that Sam uh, – Sam Darnold – I almost called him Sam Darnold. Matt Stafford made some throws that were Matt Stafford throws to Cooper Cup that won them that game. So it was like a direct – like. That's why we traded for you, and now we receive a Super Bowl for that trade. You know what I mean? So, Jared Goff returns home. Goff hasn't beaten Kyle Shanahan's 49ers since 2018. And then if you can remember what kind of roster the 49ers had in 2018, not great, Bob. Um, Since then, he has lost, I think, total Goff is 3-6 and against the Niners. He's lost the last five matchups in a row. You look at, at his performances in those games, completed 54% of his passes, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, 58% of his passes, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, 50% of his passes, two touchdowns, one interception. 61% of his passes, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, and then obviously one of those matchups was when the 49ers played them last year, uh, 2021. Um, and the 49ers seemed like they were boat racing them for a while. And then out of nowhere, the Lions made it a crazy one-score game. 49ers still came away with the win. But uh, in that game, he completed 66% of his passes for 338 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. So he actually individually played a pretty good game uh, when he played against the Niners in Detroit. But I think a lot of people, when they think that the 49ers should be able to get by the Lions and head to the Super Bowl, it's probably because Jared Goff is the quarterback. Now, I just think that Goff as a player has evolved since the last time he played the 49ers. The Lions have evolved tremendously. They've got a great offensive line and they've got great skill position players and Goff is playing a good good brand of football. I want to look. I want to look. Boop, 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 boop. Goff stats sounds like a website. Or something. So this season, this season in 2023, Goff completed 67% of his passes for 4,575 yards, 30 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. I mean, damn, that is one hell of a season. Seems like, I don't know why, why are people so down on him? You know, I don't know. Seems like he's playing a pretty damn good brand of football. 
Now, if you go to their schedule and you look at their wins and losses, we, I mean, we'll, we'll break all this down later. But Goff hasn't beaten a Kyle Shanahan 49ers team in a while. And that might have just as much to do with the fact that Sean McVay was his coach, as it did Jared Goff. Uh, the Lions offense is probably better than anything he had with the Rams. And like I said, Goff seems like he's evolved quite a bit. He's played in some big games. He just won one. He's got a lot of experience. He's not a new guy anymore, and he's been in the league for a while. So it'll be interesting to see how the 49ers uh, handle a team as as well-rounded. I would say, again, their pass defense isn't great, but everything else uh, the Lions have is goes toe-to-toe with the 49ers. So, I mean, I'm expecting a hell of a game. Uh, that's why I think that the seven-point Favorite for the 49ers is just a little high. Um, but again, the stage is set. Uh, the, the the Chiefs will play the Ravens in the earlier time slot, and then the 49ers will play the Lions at Levi's Stadium uh, next Sunday for the right to go to the Super Bowl. Man, like I said last night, there are four teams out of 32 left in, in the show, and the 49ers are one of them. I do think that the 49ers will play a better brand of football than they did against the Packers. I think the Lions are better than the Packers, but I think that, you know, that game just had everything going for it to make it weird. You know, the rain, uh, the amount of momentum Green Bay was riding in, whether or not the 49ers underrated them or not, they, they sure as hell didn't seem like they did. But the 49ers had all that rest, and when it that helps your health, it doesn't necessarily help you with the rhythm of playing football. And the 49ers came out pretty, pretty flat. They looked a little weird. They looked a little off. They made a lot of weird mistakes. They had some weird penalties. So I think the 49ers will probably look a little sharper against the Lions, even though the Lions are probably a better football team. Um, Out of all the playoff teams left, I think the Lions are probably rate the Lions fourth out of four. And then I'd probably go, I'd probably go going from bottom to top. I'd probably go Lions, Chiefs, 49ers, and Ravens. And we'll see if we get the two best teams in the Super Bowl. If you're going, if you are uh, a conspiracy theorist, everybody's been talking about the fact that the, the the colors of the Super Bowl logo have matched the teams the last like three years in a row. And this year's uh, Super Bowl logo is red and purple. So there's that. All right, everybody. Again, just a quick pod to kind of update you on the current slate of the NFL and uh, where things stand for next weekend. I will be on here a little later next week. Either I'll either record Wednesday or Thursday to be to be published either Thursday or Friday morning. And uh, and we'll get after it. And we'll get after it. Again, as always, I appreciate the support. Make sure you head on over to prizepicks.com slash gold and get yourself a, a piece of that action. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash gold. And when you use a promo code, Put in gold as well. That tells them I sent you. And they're going to match any first deposit up to 100 bucks. Um, if you want to crank out a little bit more support for the pod, get on whatever app you're listening to. Leave us a five-star review. And if you want to add some words, I appreciate it. Like you heard last night, I read them. And, uh, and I know it. They aren't always, not every review is stellar, but I know that we've got a lot of loyal listeners here. And, um, I'd appreciate it. But again, the ultimate form of support is the fact that you're here listening Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys. One hell of a season, one hell of a ride. One more game coming up. But for now, I'll get back at you guys a little later this week. I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold, and we are signing out.
everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.